Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come, eat of my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. That is Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 through 9. Wisdom is personified as a, as a woman, calling out all those who are naive, so that they are no longer naive, but understanding, an understanding of wisdom and the love that provides wisdom. So this episode, well, this is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast, and my name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host. This episode is about forgiveness. And I wanted to start off with Proverbs because I thought it was important to read that part about wisdom and the love that provides wisdom for all creation. So forgiveness. It's a tough one because, and I say it's a tough one because I've seen people their whole life up until their last days, literally holding on to unforgiveness. Usually it's injustice done to them in some way, whether it's family, work, whatever. It can be anything, but it's unforgiveness. It's, it's held on to. And that stuff kills you from the inside out. <clears throat> it's a horrible way to live. It, it really restricts your vision of life. Because you're seeing everything through a small, narrow lens of pain and saying, that's it. That's the way, that's the, all that there is in this existence. And because of that, because of all, this is all that there is in this existence, I can't forgive it. I need to just hold on to it and make sure that all my words and actions and thoughts take this unforgiveness into account. And that starts to ruin people's lives daily, one hour, one second at a time, one second at a time over the course of minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, lives, lifespans. And yet sometimes, not sometimes, at the same time, all of us want to be forgiven. The same thing that we want so bad is the same thing that we have a hard time giving to others. And really, you could say that forgiveness is a product of love. Now, I know there are a lot of people that have been hurt very badly in a number of ways. And that forgiveness seems so far away. And I understand that. I do understand that. But you have to look at whether or not that unforgiveness is doing more harm than good now. I certainly understand anger, time. And when I say forgiveness and anger over these deep things that some people have been through in this life, because everybody's been through something. Nobody's immune from it. 
It's because unforgiveness literally does kill you from the inside out. It's that serious. And when it comes to the new covenant and comparing it to the old covenant, and when I say the old covenant, covenant, I am talking about the Ten Commandments and all the ancillary laws that came with it, all of it, because the new covenant replaces that old covenant. So I'm going to read something from you. This is... Uh, <clears throat> This is the gospel according to Matthew, and it is chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those, he said, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did the same thing. And then at the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have, been, who have borne the burden of the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of, the, one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. Now, this is a parable about salvation. This is a parable about salvation. In other words, this is where the term 11th hour Jesus comes from. The laborers in the 11th hour. In other words, on your deathbed, everyone on their deathbed, if they have not consented to have to be loved by their maker. You have up until your last breath. That's the whole point of it, is that is, for, that is offering forgiveness up until your last breath. And that is a stark difference between all other worldviews and religions, but it is also a stark difference within many Christian denominations and belief systems within the church. And that is because many denominations do exactly what they're not supposed to do. And that is pull the 10 commandments back into the new covenant. You can't mix the two. The old wine 
does not belong with the new wine. You can't put new wine into old wine skins. You lose both the wine and the skins and nobody gets anything. But that is a problem with it. I hear a lot of people saying, yes, religion, it's forms of control. It certainly can be used as a form of control without a doubt, without a doubt. But there are many other forms of control without religion. But they use the aspects of religion to control. So I'm not, not disagreeing there. Now, the next one is Mark. And it's chapter two, verses one through, I'm gonna go through one through about almost 20 or so, all right? But this one <clears throat> is about Jesus and a healing and sin and forgiveness. This is Mark two, chapter two, or Mark chapter two, verse one. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. This is Jesus they're talking about. And many were gathered together. So there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. That word is grace. That word is love and forgiveness in the new covenant. That's the word he's speaking to them. That's why everybody was coming to him. And that's why the religious leaders did not like him. Because he was saying, none of you can completely fulfill the Ten Commandments and all the ancillary laws that come with it. It's impossible. In fact, it was so impossible that it, that is the, exactly the reason why it was given. So you could understand that it's impossible. But being the fallen creatures that we are, and that we're fallen and want to control other people for greed and self-interest. Many of the religious leaders manipulated the law to make it appear that they were keeping it all the way. And if they were keeping it all the way, well, then they could point out where everybody else was failing. And that is control. And that is not the new covenant. That is nowhere near the new covenant. So here we go. I'm going to start over again. Mark 2, when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, being unable to get to Jesus because of the crowd. They went to the roof of the bill of the house and dig and dug a hole in the roof. And when they had let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying, the Jesus and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. 
And he got up immediately, picked up the pallet, and went out, went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. He was not teaching them to fulfill the Ten Commandments themselves, because he knows they cannot. He's teaching them the new covenant of grace provided by love. And that love provided the righteousness by grace through faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. That is the teaching. He was so hated for by the religious leaders that they wanted to destroy him every time they saw him do something good. That's the difference. That is the kind of forgiveness we all want. Yet at the same time, we can be so unforgiving as a, as a, as a human species, as a creation. And this is mixture of all kinds of things, right? Mixture of all kinds of things. Civil law, natural law, all kinds of things. And Jesus is the creator of this universe and cosmos. And this earth, the sun, and all that you see, all the material things. And he still loves us, even in this fallen state. And it's a plan that was implemented as soon as it fell. That is forgiveness. That is ultimate forgiveness. That comes from an eternal love. And that can only come from the one who makes us. Every other religion says, you got to earn your way in. You got to perform. This is why the 11th hour Jesus is critical. Somebody could have made a lifetime full of bad mistakes. Maybe a few good ones in there along the way. Who knows? Everybody does some good things and everybody does some bad things. Absolutely. But if you believe in stacking up all your good deeds against your bad deeds and saying, hey, yeah, you know, I'm going to get another round at this. Maybe next time I'll do better. Maybe next time I'll be in a higher place because I performed better this time around. That is the difference between Jesus and every other religion and worldview. That is the absolute difference, which is why the Ten Commandments don't belong in the New Covenant, because it's performance. If you're performing for salvation, or for rewards or stuff like that. And there are rewards mentioned in the new covenant. I'm not going to go over that right now. We hit that one up later. My point is this. If you're a believer in Christ, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation or even maintain your salvation because you're, man you're maintaining your salvation isn't even a thing. You believe in your heart that Christ is Lord that he paid for your sins because he loves you. And then confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And that is really loved. You are loved. And that is the doing. The doing is the believing. And that's why it kind of almost sounds too good to be true. How can somebody know that I did all these things and 
and I'm going to, does it mean I can't, I, you know, I have to be perfect from the point that I accept Christ on? Is that it? And that's what a lot of denominations do. You've accepted Christ. Now here's your list of maintenance. You have to do all these things to maintain it. Don't mess up. If you do, you're saved by grace, but you better not mess up because our acceptance of you will matter. We will make it matter. And there are, I'm not saying all churches are like that. I'm not coming down to all churches. There are many good churches, but there are many that mix the old covenant with the new. And they wonder why they have conflict within their hearts. It's because you're being asked to perform for something that you're being told is given to you freely. It doesn't make sense. But it's, a, it, it, it's highly effective for controlling people. That is for sure. And Christianity isn't the only one, you know, even atheists, agnostics, all these other world religions and, and views, worldviews, they all made up of people. They all do the same things. So it's not that one is more this than that than the other. It's just that we're all human. Many of us like to earn our way into heaven or think that we can earn our way into heaven or, or think that there is no heaven. So it doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want. I'll try. I'll do, you know, I'm going to be a good person, but eventually you're going to bump up into death. And that kind of forgiveness, kind of forgiveness you need there is not, not the kind of forgiveness that the world provides. The world provides temporary forgiveness based on your performance. And if you don't believe me, go to work. <laughs> go to work. Many, many of us deal with that. And that's not really forgiveness. That's performance. All right. Sinners. Sinners, sinners, sinners. Jesus is the one who says everyone's one. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone's on the same field. <clears throat> I'm going to read to you from the gospel according to Luke. And this is chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So Zacchaeus ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, for Jesus was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must eat at your house. Did not know Zacchaeus before that. And he hurried down and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
that which was lost. That which was lost. <clears throat> so, I'm going to move on. We're going to go to John. Gospel according to John. We're going to go to chapter 7, verse 14. Jesus' own brothers, his siblings, did not believe that he was who he said he was. So, we're going to pick that up here. This is, there's a feast of booths. It's an it's a annual feast, annual festival. And a lot of people go. And Jesus' brothers are saying to him, hey, you know, if you're who you say you are, why don't you go show everybody? Because people who are, say, people who are public figures, you know, they don't hide. They get out there and they go talk to the people. Why aren't you doing that, Jesus? So they're not even, you know, they're actually saying, hey, uh, I don't think you are who you say you are. But when it was now the midst of the Feast of Booths, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. He's not teaching the Ten Commandments. If he's teaching the Ten Commandments, he's to, it's to show that no one can attain it. And that is what the Sermon on the Mount is. He's bringing the Ten Commandments and the standard back up to its rightful standard to demonstrate that no one can fulfill it. So he is not teaching the Ten Commandments that saying, he's not saying, you got to do all this, you got to do all this, you got to do all this, or if there ain't no getting into heaven. He knows he's going to provide the way. If he's teaching the Ten Commandments, it's to show that no one can do it and that he loves each one of us so much that he fulfilled it on behalf of all of us so that the doing is now just believing. But when it was now, the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The people there, the religious leaders there, and all the listeners were astonished, saying, how has this man become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who is whom, excuse me, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? No one's keeping the law. That's clear. And they're so mad at the love that Jesus is preaching that they want to kill him. And that love is talking about forgiveness. That love is talking about forgiveness. The Ten Commandments and all the ancillary laws cannot make you righteous because no one can fulfill them. There's only one person who has and whoever could. And it was a choice. If you look at Revelation, it was a choice. Jesus was not forced to come down here and do this. He was not forced to save fallen creation. It was a choice made out of love. When you look at the 11th hour Jesus, the parable of the sowers in the vineyard, and you realize that everyone's on the same playing field, everyone's disqualified, 
in that you're a, you have a chance to have a clean slate with love and no payment plan. No other religion or worldview offers that. And that's because at the core of it, there is no love. Only love can forgive like this. Only love can forgive like this. And this is, and only Christ is the one who offers this kind of love. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Well, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this. Love you all. Have a great week. Got a great episode coming up next. Looking forward to it. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres. Love you all very much.